want to get married? Okay. All right. How many of you are planning on getting married? All right. Good, good. So I guess this is probably the right message for this time, for this season. And as Pastor said, we have been married, will be married um, August the 8th for um, 38 years. And uh, it has been a ride for sure. But, you know, <clears throat> we determined, we were talking yesterday, <laughs> as we were discussing the message for today. You know, I really don't like this table with this, these stools. Hey, you asked for them. So I know, but I didn't goes. realize that it was going to be that low. Okay. Uh, but that's okay. Well, so I'll probably, I'll probably stand up the whole time. I'll look like I'm a munchkin behind a table. Um, but, you know, we were talking yesterday as we were discussing what we were going to do today. Um, I mean, we, were, we only knew each other for six weeks before we got married. Two weeks before he proposed. Now, I don't suggest that for anybody. I do not suggest that that was a God moment, a God persuasion, a God pushing, a God shoving me into the right direction. So we didn't know each other when we got married. All that we knew, we were young, we were 23 years old, we were naive, um, and so we didn't know what was going to be in store down the road. Right. Um, but this is what we did know, that with God, all things were possible. Right. We knew that. We did know that with God, uh, anything's possible. God could shape him into what I needed him to be. Okay. And Sorry. that's all that was needed. <laughs> and how many of you know that's not true? There was a lot of shaping going on. And so, um, but it's been a great 38 years, and we have another 50 to go. Amen. So um, we've got some great things to do. And we know that we are better together. We've Amen. known that from the beginning, whether or not, that's okay, Greg, I'm fine. Um, we, we know that God has done great things in us and through us, and, and he's, he's not done. He's not done with us. And uh, so, you know, in, in two years ago when we bought this farm, we had people say to us, you're in your 60s. Aren't you supposed to downsize? And we said, who said? Who said right. that that's what you're You know, when Caleb was 80 years old, that's when they entered the promised land. And Caleb said to said to them, he said, give me this mountain. Come on. Don't put me in a valley somewhere where it's all lush and green and everything's provided. There's a brook running by and everything's provided. I'll take that mountain over there. That looks like that needs to be conquered Yeah. at 80. Yep. And so, you know, we look at each other and we go, we can do this. We can do this. And I, I don't care who you are in this room today. If you're married, single, divorced, widowed, Listen, God has a purpose in your life. Yeah. He has called you. He has destined you for a reason. Amen. And so it's up to us to step into that. It's up to us to look and say, okay, God, how is it? It's not up to God to come along and say, you know, to open up. I mean, he does make a way. But listen, you got to do some moving. I have a friend that tells me all the time, the Holy Spirit moves when you move. Yeah. The whole, and we're, we're sitting around waiting for the Holy Spirit to move. And he's sitting around waiting for us to move. And so in our marriage, we've, we've learned to be better together. Yeah. We've learned what that looks like. Yeah. 
we, we tell um, couples uh, in our pre-marriage class that uh, it takes 10 years to make a great marriage, and that's if you're intentional. Uh, just because two people are together doesn't mean that they're having a great marriage, and you have to be intentional about it. A lot of times we'll ask couples, you know, they'll say, well, you know, we've been together for, you know, seven years, and things aren't going so well, and so we ask the question, well, what are you doing to improve your marriage? Well, if you're not doing anything to improve it, what, is it, what do we do? Well, we go to meetings like this where we sit in here, people talk about marriage. We pray for our spouse. We go to conferences. We go, we read books about it. We try to become better at it. If you want to be good at something, you have to work at it. I don't care what it is. If you want to be good at it, it's not going to come natural to you. You, you, you might have some natural talent towards it, but you're going to have to work at it. And so we, we really believe that you have to put the intentionality into this kind of a, to have a good relationship. Uh, in Genesis, it's interesting when God was talking, looking at Adam and, you know, Adam names all the animals and, and uh, he gives, puts the tree of life there. And in verse 18, uh, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone, so I'm going to make him a helpmeet for him. And it's interesting that when he said, I'm going to make him a help meet, the word meet there means one to look at him face to face. So uh, if you go on a little bit further there, you see that, um, that after Adam had named all the animals, that there was not found a help meet for him. And what God was saying is there's no one that can stand face to face with you among, those, among, those crea among creation. So God made the woman to stand face to face with the man, not less than the man. You know, uh, just to deal with a couple of errors that exist out there. Um, a woman doesn't have a woman's spirit or God's feminine spirit. God is not feminine, nor is he masculine, though we refer to him as many times as masculine because that's what the scriptures do. God doesn't have a feminine side that he pulled his femininity out of Adam and put it into Eve. That's garbage. I'm telling you that you have the Spirit of God inside of you, period. Women, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. As far as God is concerned in the Spirit, you are equal with every man that is on the face of this earth. That's good preaching, Pastor. And I think at times, because of culture and because of history and because of you know, bad teaching that's out there. Sometimes it can start looking like, you know, that, that and we, we may get a chance to deal with some of this. Uh, I don't know if we will because of just the time limitations, but, you know, that, that women are lesser than men. That is not what the scripture teaches. And uh, you don't find that. You don't find that in the church. So if it ever comes across that we sound like that's what I'm saying, that's not what I'm saying. Because I believe every woman, every man has the same spirit of Christ in them today. If you're a born-again believer, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. The Spirit is neither male nor female. Because your Bible teaches you in Galatians, in Christ there is neither male nor female. Okay? So, femininity is a soul issue and is a physical issue. Masculinity is a soul issue and a physical issue. It is not have anything to do with the way that God looks at you. Good preaching, Pastor. Now, the challenge is that we're different. 
There's the challenge. So God says, okay, I'm going to create this woman. She'll have my spirit inside of her, and I'm going to make her so she stands face to face with you. And Adam's like, she's awesome looking, man. When he brings her in, she's aw- I mean, he looks at her, and he just, he's just like overwhelmed. I mean, this is, he goes, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh, which is, which is all true. And uh, I mean, he, he, you know, he's hubba hubba. I mean, it's awesome. This is great. But understand that he did not make something that was subservient to Adam. He made a woman to stand face to face with Adam, to look him in the eyes. Now listen. And so that each of them could hold each other accountable in life. And that's a powerful thing. So here's, here's, what, here's what our understanding is. Women bring some things to the table. Men bring some things to the table. God brings things to the table, okay? They're all important, and we need them all, but they're not all the same, and they don't all sound the same. It doesn't take long for a man to find out that not only is his wife physically different than him, she definitely processes things different than he does. Amen. Looks at things. We as guys... We are great at putting stuff in a box in our head and putting it away and not looking at it at all. Whereas for for ladies, that's a difficult thing to do. That has nothing to do with spirituality. That has more to do with the way that God, in the soul realm and what we have been created. So when we talk about this, uh, Ecclesiastes, are you at that verse? I can be. Okay. Um, I wanted Sharon to read this verse in Ecclesiastes. This is our favorite verse um, out of the book of Ecclesiastes. If you need me to go to it, no, I can. I it. Okay. And uh, because it talks about the two coming together, that two. You know, in God's math, two are better than one. That's the way God looks at it. Two are better than one. Now, if you're single here, and look, don't, don't feel like you're lesser because I know the, church, people, the community can do that to you, you know, make you feel like, you're not as good as everybody else because you don't have kids, or you're not as good as everybody else because you're not married. Look, none of that has to do, that, that's more of a social thing. That doesn't have to do anything with the way that God looks at you. And it really shouldn't have anything to do with the way that we look at you. If you want to be married, then believe God to get married. And if you don't want to be married, hey, that's great. If you don't want kids, don't have them. But don't have them and then say you don't want them. <laughs> you got it? Yeah, I got it. Okay. All right, I'm going to have you read that. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Um, this is out of the Amplified. It says two are better than one because they have a good... Tell where it's at. Please. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Ecclesiastics 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good, more satisfying reward for their labor. You want me to read on? Yeah. For if they yep, fall, please. one will lift up his fellow... But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, then they have warmth. But how can one be warm alone? And though a man might prevail against him who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-four cord is not easily broken. And I just want to go back and just highlight what Pastor said. You know, when God created us, he put in us everything that we needed. So when I come to the table of a marriage, 
I don't have 50% of what we need. I have 100% of what we Amen. need. Yes. And then he comes to the table with 100% of what he needs. There's also a scripture that says that one will put 1,000 to flight, but two will put 10,000 to flight. Yes. So we're better together yeah. and we're stronger together because we're bringing everything of who we are, what we have, and what God has put within us to the table. Right. So I'm not withholding anything back. Now, my flesh and my soul wants to, but my spirit man is saying, give it all. Yeah. And that's what God is saying. God's saying, give it all. He's saying, don't hold anything back, because if I hold something back, then that, does, that means that we're not 100% invested. Right. So when we said yes to each other, we said we are 100% invested here. I mean, what do we say? All that I have, all that I am is now yours. Yes. And what did he say to me? All that I have, all that I am is now yours. Yes. That's called covenant. And so I don't withhold anything back from him. I bring 100%. Now, again, once again, we have to work through our soul. We have to work through our mind, our will, and our emotions and our flesh because it's unregenerated. It doesn't want to. It's selfish. Yes. It wants to hold back. It wants to keep back. Well, I'll give if you give. I'll do if you do. But the Spirit says, no, we give without looking for anything in return. Yeah. So when Sharon and I met, we were like both like deeply, I mean, just in love. Couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. Like it was really, it was really tough. I mean, I mean, it was, I had knots, butterflies constantly. And I mean, I couldn't wait to marry her. We got married. Um, you know, I think we had, we had one, um, we had one argument, I think, before we got married. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But when we came together, even though we were deeply in love with each other, we both, because of the background that we had, brought baggage to the marriage. And so... Uh, I grew up boatloads of baggage, and so sh both of our parents had been our parents had been divorced. Um, you know, Sharon's uh, had a stepdad who's an awesome guy, and came in. Our home life was a disaster. My home life was a disaster. I went back and forth between my mom and my dad, living uh, with them, um, and uh, I mean, it just was. Uh, it was just there was fighting constantly at our dinner table. You know, Sharon's dinner table. They all sit down. They all laugh, make fun of each other. Nobody's getting mad. If somebody gets loud, it's no big deal. In my house, everything escalates at the dinner table to an argument, and everybody leaves full of stress after, uh, after it's over. My dad, because he was just about, I mean, back then, we thought maybe he was bipolar. Uh, my dad would come home. Some days he'd be super guy, fun, laughing, having a great time. And other days he came home, he was a totally different guy. And so eventually what ended up happening, I, you know, at 14, 15 years old, I have knots in my stomach every day when I hear his car pull up because you don't know who's getting out of the car. And I mean, so it's one of the, I'm not making excuses because look, God's delivered me from all of that, praise the Lord. And I have a wife that's been patient with all that stuff in my life. But, you know, and he's in heaven and he had his own demons he had to work out in his life. Uh, I don't blame him for any of my problems in my life. The only one I blame for problems in my life is me because I can, through Christ we can change all things. Amen. Amen. 
So, you know, we come in, we're in this relationship, her perception of how things are, my perception of how things are, are very different as we come into, we love each other. It has nothing to do with love. It has everything to do with how to blend together these two people. And then we start having kids. And, you know, things get crazy. You start having kids, you know, and you're, you're, you're all energetic about it in the beginning, you know, and all excited. But it can get to a point where it gets to be a, a little bit much. And, you know, your time and you're not focusing on each other like you were before. And it just, you have to try to make time together. And so uh, Sharon and I, we started having some major issues in our marriage relationship. And uh, I used to threaten her before church that if she didn't straighten up, we'd have arguments on the way to church all the time. I mean, all the time. And, uh, you know, and uh, I'd threaten her that if she didn't straighten up, I wasn't preaching and telling everybody it was her fault. And, oh, I was, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I was, I was horrible, horrible. But what happened was is that we got invited to this deal that really helped us and uh, that really made a difference in our life. And it was a kid by the name of Scott Jackson was doing this conference on marriage where he talked about personalities. And I never really could understand why Sharon was like she was, why she looked at things different. You know, I was a take charge, do it, and think, figure out how to fix it later. That's how I was. You know, oh, we could do, let's buy a car, let's buy a house, let's, let's move to Africa, let's go, we'll figure it out as we go. Sharon's like, wait, whoa, everything seemed, I always thought like she was putting the brakes on our relationship like, come on, trust God, and it will be all right, and it'll be great, it'll be awesome, God will provide. And Sharon would be like, well, we need to be able to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And so we had a lot of arguments over stuff, how, th how the church should be uh, led, how that our home life should be led, um, and, uh, you know, it got, it got very conflictive. Not like, because we never talked about divorce, ever. We never did. That wasn't an option. We agreed on that in the beginning. But we had some big problems, and so we had to figure out a way to work this out, and what helped us tremendously was when we went to this seminar, and I'll let you tell about that. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we ended up at the seminar, and he talked about personalities, different personalities, and we did a personality assessment. How many of you have ever done a personality assessment? Okay. Um, and this one was called a DISC, D-I-S-C, personality. And each letter stood for the different personalities. And, um, and then how they blend. Um, you can have a D that has a, a C or a D that has an S or a D that has an I. You know, so they all blend around. And so we took it, and lo and behold, can you guess what pastor was? He was a D. And I'll just, I'll just explain what each of them are just real quick. So, Who said that? <laughs> A D knows a D. You can, uh, you can spot you a know. D anywhere. Yes. Um, so a D on the disc, and usually whenever you see it, it's a circle, and it's divided in quadrants and four quadrants. And so the D is up in, up in the left-hand corner. And, it, and basically, the D is dominating, directing, driving, demanding, determined, decisive, doing, all Ds. So they're constantly doing. They're, constant, they're going somewhere. Like he said, I mean, he'd see something, and he's off. He didn't care who he ran over. He didn't care what happened. He just, we're going to get there. And so, and then the next one beside it, across from it, is the I. Now, an I is an influencer. They're inspiring. They're inducing. They're impressing. They're interactive. They're interested in people. 
So even though both the D and the I are active, the D is task-oriented, the I is people-oriented. Right. And then below the I, you have the S. Now, the S is very laid back. They're, um, they're stable, they're steady, they're shy, they're security-oriented. They're a servant, they're sub submissive, and usually they're a specialist in some area. So even though they're passive, they're people-oriented. They'll come along the side of somebody. Very loyal. They're very, very loyal. I guess that last week, um, Stevie and Natalia and the youth group did a personality um, assessment thing, but they use the animals. So where the D would be the lion, the I is the otter, the S is the Labrador, Labrador golden, retriever. Gold, golden retriever. And the C. And the C, then across from the S, in the left hand, down, left hand right down corner, um, is passive and they're task oriented, but this is, this is who they are. They're cautious, they're competent, they're calculating, compliant, careful, and contemplative. Okay, so where do you think I fell in all of that? I came out as a very high SC. I needed things secure and stable, but they needed to be correct and we needed to have all of our ducks in a line. Right. Okay, so when he would say, he would get up on a Sunday morning and say, we're going to have a church picnic next week. Everybody come. I'm sitting there in my seat going, whoa, 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 whoa. W what do you mean we're having a church picnic? Who's bringing what? What are we providing? What's where is it going to be? And, and he said, we'll, just, we'll figure it out. And I'm like, but you can't do that. And so we learned, he learned that I needed 10 reasons why we're going to buy this car. And I learned how to come along the side of him and say, great idea. Let's think some things through. Right. So instead of, I remember going to a Jerry Savelle meeting and him talking about um, Abraham and Sarah. And if you remember the story, Abraham, God showed up to Abraham and said, you're going to have a son. Now, he's already past the age of being able to deliver, to produce a son. And Sarah's past the age of being able to get pregnant. And God says, you're going to have a son. And so Abraham comes out of the tent and says, guess what we're having? We're having a son. And Sarah laughs. God comes back again and said, why does Sarah laugh? And, God, and Abraham comes out and, you know, approaches her about it and says, why did you laugh? And she says, I did laugh. And God said to me, he says, you're laughing at your husband's dreams. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. But see, whenever I was trying to put the squelch on his dreams, that was in a way of laughing at his dream. <laughs> what do you mean we're going to do? There's no way. What it makes you think that you can do that? What makes you think that we can do that? And so understanding the position that he has, first of all, in our home, that he's the vision caster. That, and, that, and now that's who he is in our home. Right. He's the vision caster. He's the one that brings the, 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 the things to the table. Now, not to say that I don't. Right. I mean, we bought a farm. Okay. That was my dream. And so, you know, but not, so not to say that I don't, but, you know, he's the one that would say, this is what I feel like God's telling us to do. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to Mexico to be missionaries. We're in Mexico. I feel like God's telling us to go back to Ohio and we're going to pastor that church. Hmm. Okay. All right. Let's pack up our things. 
you know, we're there for 10 years. I feel like God's telling us we're done here. All right, now that got a little bit harder. Because now we have three kids. Wait, 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 wait a minute. What do you mean we're done here? And actually, it was at eight years he came and said, I feel like we're done here. And I said, I don't think so. We haven't prayed enough. We haven't fasted enough. We haven't preached enough. We haven't studied enough. We haven't. And for two years, this man sat. On what God had told him to do. Until finally I said, you're right. It's time. It's time. And we packed up and we moved. But I had to be willing to say, to look at him and say, this is his vision. This is his dream. How can I now come along into the side of that? Right. And face to face with him and support that. And him with me. How can he come along the side of me, I am a much better person together with him today than I, than I was 38 years ago. Right. Because of the things that we brought to the table. So with these personalities now, I mean, when he took the test, he was off the chart D. Off the chart D. I mean, there was no more room. Off the chart D. Now, we've taken it since then over the years he, his eye has come into play. But I've also seen the C come in. Yes. He's becoming more calculating. He's becoming more cautious. He's becoming more. And not to say that he's giving up on his passion, his dream, but God has just worked in him. And I've seen the S come into play. Now, I was high off the chart SC. But over the years, my D kicks in. And over the years, my eye kicks in. Yeah. And so we've learned to blend these things together, and we've learned how to work together with that. Right. And then there's also some other um, assessments that you can do. I don't know. How many of you have ever heard of the Enneagram? It's a big word that's going around today. I know Carrie's heard about it. And it's, it's a little bit more in-depth, um, there's nine Enneagram numbers. If you ever hear somebody say, what's your number? That's what they're talking about. It's an Enneagram. And so, but there's all kinds of t teachers out there that's doing it. And there's a book called The Road Back to You by Ian Crone, I think is his last name, C-R-O-N. It's a good book to start with. But then also there's a couple podcasts that you can listen to that are very, very good. One of them, which I really enjoy this one, it's The Enneagram in Your Real Life with Teresa McCloy. And um, you can find her under podcast, The Enneagram in Your Real Life. I like how she does it because she takes the spirit, the soul, and the body. Yeah. And she works, works it all in together. So it's a really good one. The other one is Your Enneagram Coach, and that one's a podcast also. Then there's also a thing called Strength Finders. And that one's even more complex. Now, that has nothing to do with personalities, it has more to do with what your strength is. And saying that's the other thing that we discovered with each other was I discovered what his strengths are. And he discovered what my strengths are. So I had to relinquish and say, well, I'm not going to do that then if that's what you're strong in. Why should I reinvent the will? And not that I can't do it, but let him flow in his strength. Right. And so whenever we discover what each other's strengths are, that helps us also in our relationship. Amen. 
Then the last one is your motivational giftings. And that's, you know, that's in Scripture. Right. You know, not that these other ones are not in Scripture, but Romans chapter 12. I'm sorry, I went blank there. Romans chapter 12, Corinthians chapter 12 talks about your motivational gifts. And there's, there's, nine, of, there's nine of them that, that flow together. And so you can look those up and read those. And if you have any questions about the disc, you know, and you're thinking that that's something you want to do, just get a hold of me, and I'd be more than happy to talk with Amen. you about it. But it's a really, I mean, it's literally, and again, like we said, the D word was never mentioned in our home. Now, that's not to say that I never cried and ran home to mom, but you all know Norma Farnsworth. She sent me back home. She loves me. She, she would send you back. She... He is her son. Actually, for, for the first eight years in the church in Marietta, people thought that he was her son. And, I was, and one day I said her name in church. I said, you know, because I always called her Norma at church, and she wasn't listening to me. And so I said, Mom. And they go, why are you calling her Mom? I said, because she's my mother. And they said, no, she's not. And I said, yes, she is. And I was thinking... No, she's not. She's pastor's mother. And I said, no, she's not. So I had to fight to get my own mother back. So anyways, um, but anyway, yeah, so it's, it really helped us out a lot. So, okay, so Jesus is D-I-S-C, yeah. all of them. He is not, somebody said, well, what's Jesus' personality? D-I-S-C. He's perfection. So we have to strive to be Christ-like. So we have to improve in all those areas. God brings people into our lives, whether we, you know, we ask God to make us more complete, more Christ-like. You know what he does? He brings people into our life that help make that happen. If we pay attention, are you paying attention? Yeah, are you listening? Because see, when I sit down at the table with Sharon and we're face-to-face, -face, one, I got to admit, I have weaknesses and I do. I have to do this with my staff as well. Look, I'm not, I'm not the best detail person. I'm terrible at details. I don't care about details. I, don't, I just care about getting stuff done. I don't know why my staff's not saying amen. But now they've learned to work with me with that, but here's the thing. What I have also, I don't, this is, where, this is, the, this is what we have to do. We have to say to ourselves, it's not about me making them understand me, it's about me understanding them. So when I look at Sharon, I don't go, God, make her understand that she needs to do what I'm telling her to do. What I do is I pray, God, help me understand why she is, why she sees things that way. And that creates in us a respect. So, you know, when I sit down with, with my staff, or I sit down with my wife, or I sit down with my friends, or whatever, I realize I'm in a deficit in some areas. I, I bring some really good stuff to the table with my D. I mean, we'll get stuff done, but the problem is if I don't listen to everybody around the table, we'll kill a bunch of people to get there. You know, D say get in, get out, or get run over. You've probably heard me say that before. So what I want to do is I want to be more like Christ. Everybody want to be more like Christ? I don't want to be more like my wife. I want to be more like Christ. So I have to pray that God gives me understanding. One of the big things, I encourage you to do it if you have not done it. Talk to Sharon. She's a certified disc coach. She could actually get you hooked up to go through that if you want to do that with marriage, actually. She can do that. She can talk with you a little more about that. But, but uh, I, that's where I think it all starts with.
the mutual respect. So because of that, and because I'm very task-oriented, I had to learn to listen to what my wife was saying. This has been one of the hardest things for me to do. Keep my mouth shut. Because, you know, she would say, like, here's how things would usually go. She would say, like, we would be sitting down at dinner or just a conversation, and she would say, I'm really having problems with this. And here's what I would say. Well, here's what I'll do. And she would say, I didn't ask you to do anything. And I said, then why did you tell me about it? <laughs> well, I'm talking it out. I says, I know, but look, I should have said no nudging in this deal. Like, don't be hitting each other. But, but look, I learn all she wants me to do is listen. So I'm like, okay, God, give me the grace to listen here. Okay, help me. And so like I, so what I did is, is like I would just not say anything. And I would look at her. And she'd say, are you paying attention? And I'd say, yeah, I'm paying attention. And she'd say, okay, what did I just say? And I'd just tell her back what she just said. And she said, well, you just have this dumb look on your face. I'm not real sure what's going on. I said, that's my paying attention face, okay? <laughs> I'm well, you know, when you're used to years of somebody just going, I'll take charge, here's what we'll do, I'll fix it, I'm Superman, and you know, and then all, and it doesn't, you know, in a marriage relationship, it could be the wife is like that, so, I mean, that happens as well, you know, and you have to learn to just listen, okay, to just listen. So, in this great blend of things, what happens is, is that God wants us to bring in the two parts of our, the this relationship with each other, and to come into agreement. Amos 3.3, and I want you to read that out of the one translation you have, says this, how can two walk together unless they're agreed? How can two? And, and here's the big four you got to agree on, okay? And I, I think it's appropriate to talk about them before you get married. One, you got to agree on money. you got to come to an agreement on money, because if you don't, you'll have, that's the number one cause of divorce today still. Come to agreement. Number two, you got to agree on how you're going to deal with your in-laws. Because you got in-laws. You got to deal with them, right? You married into a family, not just a person, okay? So you got to, how, how are we going to deal with the in-laws? You got to talk about sex, how that's, all, that's better to talk about at the honeymoon. And then the third thing is you got to talk about how you're going to raise your kids. And you got to come to an agreement. Those are the big four that people fight over. Now listen to this passage out of Amos, uh, I think message, is that what it is? I've got NIV and message, Okay. the message. Okay, Amos 3.3, 3. do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? Can two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? Right. So, you know, you don't ever want the attitude that I'm driving, you know, like the, the guy introduced his wife as the old ball and chain, Okay. That's a bad thing to say, okay? And it's bad to say that about your husband as well. Because they're not a drag, they're just bringing something different to the table. Shame on us if we're not taking the time to understand our spouse. And we should pray that God will help. Lord, help me understand why she's responding that way, why she feels that. What does she need? What should I be bringing to the table? What does she need from me? What does she? I love this woman. I mean, I love her with all my heart. I don't, want another, I don't want anybody else in the world. She's the one I want. But here's the thing. I don't understand her all the time. 
In fact, there's a lot of times I don't understand her. But if I learn to listen and I learn to pray and I learn to respect the personality, what she brings to the table. You know, this whole deal with the farm, I mean, that buying that farm, look, I was the resistor. I was like, look, I'm thinking condo, somebody else mow my lawn, all right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm out of this. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, that's where I was at, man. I, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, let, let me just, let's just move in. They got a pool. We don't even have to maintenance the pool. We just pay some fee every month. Everything's awesome, right? Sharon's like, no, you know, we always talked about a farm. I want to do a farm. And through that whole process, I mean, my D kicked in a whole bunch of times. I mean, I was like, all right, we're not doing it then. We're not doing it. And she'd cry. And then I was like, oh gosh, here we go. You know, I did it again. And because what happened was, is that over time as we grow and we get to know our spouse, we do take on some of their characteristics, and that's okay. We, you know, I look. Uh, one of the best things that ever happened for me financially is working with Carrie Seeley. Carrie is like a dot every I, a T a dot every I. Working with her, man, she keeps everything everything in order. I hate that. Is she in? I don't think she's in here, but oh, in the back. But and she knows it. She know. Look, we've had this discussion, but look, it has helped me so much because it makes me a more fuller, rounder leader that I'm doing things the right way, okay? And so that's an awesome thing. So you know what? I totally respect that. And she says, hey, you need to make sure that you're doing this. I don't go, stop telling me what to do. There was a day that's what I would have done. But what I've learned is, is that this person brings something to the table that I am not good at. I need to listen to what they're saying. God said, let me make someone, let me make a help meet, someone that looks face to face. And you know, when I look at Sharon, I realize I'm accountable to this marriage. I'm accountable to her. I'm accountable to be the best that I can be. And she looks at me and she realizes she has to be the best that she can be. Um, you, you got something? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say too, one of the other things that helped us just a, just a few, you know, okay, so we've been married 38 years. You'd think we'd have this thing under perfection. Um, we're going to be married another 50 or 60 years, and we're still going to be working on the perfection of it. But one of the things we went through a few years ago was the Financial Peace University. Now, for me, that was security. That was life. That was life-giving for me. For him, that was, oh... Now I understand. Yes, that helped a lot. Now time. I see. Now I get it. And so now he works together with, instead of trying to pull apart. Yep. You know, now when we get a couple bucks in the bank, he's not going, oh, spend, spend, you know, squirrel, squirrel, right. you know, type thing. No, he's, Thanks. he's, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit of that I that kicks in there too. Yeah. But, you know, so... You know, he learned how to work together. You know, one of the things we did yesterday, um, and, and we do this every so often, but yesterday we asked it in a different way. You know, he, he asked me the question, what, what did I bring to the table? And, you know, so we went through the whole list and, you know, our a whole list. Maybe I think I brought out three or four things. And, you know, and he did vice versa. And that's such a great um, uh 
exercise to yeah. do, yes. you know, for each other. And, and, you know, and you sit there, you know, because like I was, I, one of the things I was trying to say about him, you know, in his personality, um, and I think because of the way that men put things in boxes and categorize things and don't deal with, heaven forbid, that anything on the plate would touch, you know. So, you know, he... And, and I didn't want to use this word, but I said, you know, you were very naive when we got married. Now, but what on the positive, you know, so see, that's the C coming out of me that I have to be correct. Right. So, but on the positive side of that, it, it might be naiveness, but it's, he's also very optimistic. And being the C, I was very pessimistic. I was so negative. I mean, you could say the sky is blue and I'm going to go, yeah, but there's a little speck of black up there. I'm going to find the black. And so he helped me to understand that, listen, be optimistic about it. Amen. Be optimistic about it. And so, you know, and I appreciate that about him. I've, I've learned to appreciate his optimism and, and understand that, you know what? Okay. Yeah. It's not all perfect, but that's okay. That's all right. And I've learned to do things not perfect. Right. And we're okay with that. Yes. And so that's what we've learned. And, and I'm learning even more as, as we're on the farm and things don't always go right. Things always mess up. The pigs don't always do what you want them to do. And the, and the goat definitely doesn't, doesn't kid the way that she's supposed to kid. And, you know, and so on and so forth. Or the garden doesn't come up the way. So it's not perfect. And God has taught me so much through doing that. But you know what? It's okay. Because you know what? I am perfect. Amen. And I'm going to give you that ability, that grace to be able to work together and to serve together. Yeah. You know, I, uh, just uh, in marriage or with other people, just so you recognize this, you know, I've I pointed out Carrie about working with her. I've learned something from all of my staff because all of my staff are different. They all have different personalities. They all have different experiences. We can either learn from other people or we can be stuck in our own world and just determine that I'm the only one that's right. And I have found life is much more enjoyable in my marriage and in my workplace when I get into that mode in my thinking that Look, this person has intelligence. This person brings something to the table. This person has a perspective I don't have. I need to hear what... I may not agree with it. We may not be able to come into agreement with it. But look, we can talk about it intelligently and respectfully, recognizing that not everybody is the same. Amen? So in a marriage, one of the things we do in our marriage, you know, he talked about the threefold cord is not quickly broken. So this is the guy cord, all right, blue. That's typically what we do in society with the boys. They get blue. And uh, so this is your husband. This is your future husband. Uh, this, is, uh, this is his masculinity. This is his personality. This is everything that God has put into him. And look, it is the same, but yet it's different than this one, which is pink, which represents, you know, I know I'm stereotyping, but this is pink. It's Typically in society today when pink is the girl, okay? 
So you have these two things that come together, and they're very different, but they're very similar. There's a lot of similarity. They're made out of the same materials, right? And so when you bring them together, I mean, you've got a two-fold cord. But the Bible teaches us that even though these two come together, there's a third element that comes into the agreement that they bring into the marriage relationship, into this covenant relationship, and that, to me, is the red cord. And the red cord represents the blood of Christ. Now, this is really powerful because, see, and what I tell kids when they're getting married or older couples when they're getting married is, look, this brings in the covenant. And what this does in the relationship, this brings God into the mix here. And I love to use the red because, one, look, all of us have past. We have past girlfriends, past boyfriends, past, some have past sexuality issues. You all got stuff, divorces and everything else that have happened. Uh, Not everybody, but some. But when we come together in this perfect joining together, the blood of Christ washes away our sins. So we are not holding our spouse accountable to past sinfulness, okay? In fact, we are now choosing that in our relationship with this person that we are saying to them, the blood of Christ, look, covers you. No matter what, I love you. I'm in this relationship. I'm not holding stuff against you. Now, what I like to do is is that I take this and I like to make it into a knot. You've heard that before, the idea of tying the knot. You know, hey, I tied the knot, all right? And why I like it as a knot is because in that knot, I know you probably can't all see that on TV very well, but that knot has all the colors represented into it, but it's still, it has all the individuality, but it's a knot. It's not, it's, it's, it's not a string. It's not a separate string now. The knot holds together everything that was blue, and the knot holds together everything that is pink. And the knot holds together everything that is red. The knot is very close to the idea of what God is like. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, each of them is distinct. You say, well, how can they all be one? Because they all are one. They're all of the same material. They're all of the same, their spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all spirit. They're all one. Now, But together, they make the knot. They make God. They make God Almighty. They're what we think about with God. The thing is, is that no matter how you turn it, you still see all of the elements that are involved with it. You can't really separate it because they're all part of the knot. In a marriage relationship, when we come together, it's more than just two people that have decided to raise a family together. It's about making a knot. It's about making something that is distinct in our life, something that didn't exist before. That knot, when it comes together, if it's really going to work, it has to have God in the middle of it. And I'm not talking about, you know, she goes her way, I go my way. I travel all over the world. Sharon travels all over the world, but we still got the knot. See, I don't think about fooling around when I'm in a foreign country, even though I've had women make passes at me because I got a knot. I'm tied into a knot here. Are you listening to me? Sharon doesn't think about, you know, is there a better guy down the street that could take, you know, get me a bigger farm? (laughs) Because she's in the knot, right? 
And the power of the knot is the third strand, the blood strand, God Almighty. So I hope this this morning has helped you a little bit just to understand. Look, don't, you said, man, my, you know, I, it's like one guy, I said, is your wife okay? He said, no, she's crazy. <laughs> like, what a way to talk about your wife, man. But she's crazy because she's different. She's crazy because she doesn't think like me. She's crazy because she isn't a man. Well, look, I'm just telling you, she's not one of your buddies. She's your wife, okay? So you need to stop talking about your wife like that. That's not right. Start talking respectfully. Try to understand her instead of, you know, seek first, as, as Stephen Covey said, one of the great powerful things in, in dialogue is to seek first to understand before you're understood. I want everybody to stand with me, if you would. You know, the devil has an assignment against marriages. I'm just telling you, a big-time assignment. The enemy wants your marriage to fail. You say, well, look, ours is pretty good. You know, it's not worse than Joe and Suzanne's. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's pretty good, you know. I mean, we get along about as well as Tom and Mona do. So, I mean, it's pretty good, you know. Yeah, you don't throw pay <laughs> Right, yeah. But here's the thing. I, I don't care how good their marriage is. What's the best yours could be? Look, stop thinking, you know, you know, it's like the one guy, you know, they said, they, it was, I think it was a Wendy's manager said, well, we're no worse than, than McDonald's. How is that a, a desire for improvement? No, look, man, I want the best. I want, I want, when, I want the best marriage relationship I can have. And you, that only happens because we're intentional. Intentional. So today, when you're riding home in your car, here's what I want you to do. I've got an assignment for you. I want you to say to your spouse, what do I bring to the table? What do I bring to the table that helps you? What do I bring to the table that helps you? Okay? What, what, are my, what do you see as my, you know, my gifts? Like I asked Sharon that, and she said, well, you're a romantic. I said, right. She says, and I need that because I'm not. Usually in a marriage, there's not too romantic. You know, it's funny about, they say opposites attract, but there is a lot of that that is true. You know, when we sat around with our staff and asked the question, what do you bring to the table? It was interesting because you had one that maybe doesn't want to be with people, which would have been me, and, and, and one that loves to be with people, which would have been Sharon. And we come together, and why? Because I need that. See, something inside of me says, I'm not complete without that. I got to have that. And so she sees something in me. So I want you just as an assignment, I want you to talk about it on the way, not fight about it, okay? And please, wives, don't look at your husband and say, now you heard what he said, now you tell me right now what is I bring to the table, okay? Don't, don't put that kind of pressure on him because that isn't going to work. You go first, okay, and be real sweet, and that'll give him time to think about it. That'll give him a little more time to think because he's got to find that box. It's in there somewhere. He got, okay, where did I put that at? It's in there. I know it's in there somewhere. But I want to pray for you, okay? I mean, I'm serious about this with marriage. We're going to change the world. we got to change it one marriage at a time. I mean, that's just the way it is. And God can help us. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, uh, Sharon and I, we love these couples. We believe, we believe, we believe th those who are believing for a spouse, believing to get married. Oh, God, we just believe for absolute, wonderful, solid uh, marriages, Father God, for our people. Those watching online, Lord God, that might be struggling, Lord, 
We just absolutely are believing for miracles to take place. Father God, that uh, hearts of the husbands would be turned to their wives, the wives turned to their husbands, the, the Lord that the, the, in the families, the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers, Father, and the, the same with the, the mothers. Father, I thank you, God, that you, Lord, have a plan, this awesome plan. Lord, that in the things that we're missing in our life, you bring people into our lives that fill those voids, whether it's our spouse or other people, co-workers, people that we deal with. And we're just saying, God, thank you. I know, Lord, in the past at times we've complained about it. We've complained about our differences, but God, we celebrate the differences. I'm so glad Sharon's not like me. And I'm so glad, Lord God, that Father God, she brings to the table those gifts and abilities, Lord God, that have really made me a growing and more complete individual. Father God, I pray, Father God, for those who might be struggling in strife right now in their marriage relationship. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that that which is dividing them, Lord God, would be powerless. And Father, that they would realize there is more that unites them than divides them. That God, you are the third strand, the third cord in that marriage relationship. And I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, you want to pray? Go ahead, sweetie. Pastor was talking about <clears throat> those that are striving together. I just saw um, couples with swords in their hands, and I just heard the Spirit of the Lord say, put the sword down. Mm-hmm. And then I heard you say, but what if he hurts me, or what if she, what if she wins, or what, I, won't, I can't win without the sword. But God's saying, put your weapon down and pick up his weapons. Mm-hmm. And that would be the word. That would be prayer, and that would be praise. Yes. Praise to the Father, yes, but also praise to your staff or to your spouse. Praise to the one that that loves you. Praise to the one that thank them for who they are. Thank them for what they bring to the table. Thank them that they are willing mm-hmm. to work together yes. in this. And I just, I just, it was just a, such a vivid picture that I saw. That you're standing there face to face with a sword in your hand and you're using it on each other. And God said, put it down. Yeah. Put the sword down and pick up his weaponry, which is the word, prayer, and praise. Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good. All right. Next week, we'll have Stevie and Natalia on the hot spot. And we hope you'll be back. We've got lots more to share with you.